Last week, we began with the series that we are entangling for the next couple of weeks going on to the next couple of months, engaging in prayer. And I made two emphasis, two core emphasis that I wanted the church to make sure that before we left last week, we understood the very value when it comes to the life of a believer, when it comes to the context of prayer. As a child of God, you need to understand that there are two core things about prayer that you should not take for granted. Likewise as well, the body of Christ needs to understand these core values when it comes to the place of prayer. Hallelujah. Amen. Yeah. Because there was, like I said last week, there was a reason why the disciples walked with Jesus for three and a half years. And at the end of the day, one thing they asked was that teach us how to pray. The gospel of Matthew, uh, the gospel of Luke chapter 11, verses 1 going. And you see there, teach us how to pray. Means that the disciples saw something about the ways of Jesus' prayer that they realized that it was different from all things. It was the very thing that made him unique and different. Hallelujah. So these core things I made mention of is that when we understand the need of engaging in prayer, there are two things that we get out of it. One, it's intimacy with God. It is through prayer that you commune with God, you speak to God, and God speaks to you. So through the time or through the avenue of prayer, you and God start to build something going on. You see, when you met somebody that you loved, there had to be a communication. Without a communication, you and that person would not have known yourself. And the reason why we are struggling in the world today is because of poor and lack communication. But in the Christian dome, it's not about just a simple communication, but it's about the intimacy I have with God. And the more the child of God understands that when I go to prayer, I am not losing my time. When, 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 when we, we, the body of God comes together in prayer, it is not losing our time. When you rise in the morning and, and the pastor preaches and says, you should be praying, it is not losing your time. Because if you understand what prayer can do to you, if you understand what prayer can do to your everyday life, then the way you approach God in prayer becomes different. Hallelujah. So a place of intimacy with God. The second point I made sure last week to emphasize on, it is that through prayer we make a petition for divine reinforcements. Divine reinforcement, that means that we are praying to God our Father, saying, not our will, but let your will be done. Not our ways, but let your ways be made known. Not what we think we can do on our own, because now we need a supernatural enforcement, a supernatural strength. We need divine ability. So when you pray, something has to happen. When you pray, there is a response that comes. But keep in mind that you see that because it is concerning divine reinforcement, that help does not come by yourself. But that help comes from the Lord. So the Bible says that the prayer of the righteous availeth much. Elijah could pray and there was no rain. You get it. There is something about the prayer of the righteous. That we engage God into the affairs of humanity. 
that God takes absolute control, leads us, directs our path. Hallelujah. But unfortunately, I believe very well that this is one of the very places that the church is lacking. When I talk about the church, I'm talking about the big, um, big, 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 big umbrella of church. It's lacking when it comes to the 21st century. Prayer is missing in the church. I want to make sure that I speak on this because the church has its breath out of prayer. Like I talked about this last week. If you read the book of Acts, you realize that they were in their time of prayer and waiting upon the Lord. The Bible says the Holy Spirit came upon them. The church could not come into being without prayer and waiting upon the Lord. But the time has come that we have seen no value in prayer any longer. And I'm going to hit on that very soon. So it is my prayer that we come to the very place of understanding. Engaging in prayer does for me as a child of God and also for the body of Christ. Amen. Amen. Luke 11 verses 2. When Jesus Christ was teaching the, the disciples and also unto us, he says, so he said to them, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, and I don't know about you, but I think that that very beginning of those two words, to me, personally, carries so much volume. Think about it. Our Father. We are talking about the God who is omnipotent. The God who is omniscient. The God who is omnipresent is now looking at us, not as strangers, but as what? His children. Are you getting me here? Because you cannot call him your father if he has not called you son or daughter. If there is no relationship, if God does not value you as a, father, as a son, if God does not value you as a daughter, you can't just say, our father. I think it carries the very fullness of what prayer is. Because I am not going to any other God but my father. When I am praying, I am praying to my father. The one who the whole earth and all things that is in it belongs to. The one who has authority and power over all things. The one who is able to resurrect the dead. The one who is able to save the sinner. The one who is able to make the difference in those who have had issues of sickness. The one who comes to the shield of his children. He looks at us and not just calls us these people. But he says that when you pray, say, our father. It means that the father sees something about you. So when you are approaching God, you are not approaching any other one but your father. But think about this. That he calls you his very own. That is why I said earlier that prayer works on us with intimacy with God. 
You see, if the Father does not acknowledge us as sons or daughters, then we can pray all we want to pray. We can say all we want to say. But it doesn't go anywhere else. For example, just as simple as ABC, the reason why your children come to you, not to me, your children come to me, they don't. Why? Because you are their parents. They have this unique connection with you. That every morning when they wake up, the question is not about what my father or my mother can do for me. But the question is, where is my father? He didn't get me. The question is, where is my mother? When my kids rise in the morning, the question is not about daddy, what are we going to eat? They are not worried about daddy, how can we make it through the day? But what they are concerned about is, where is my father? When my children don't see their father for more than 24 hours because of my work schedule and stuff like that, guess who gets a phone call? Where are you? When are you coming home? I can't use excuses because to them, they, they, seeing their father gives them the assurance that it is well with their soul. But for us, when we rise in the morning, do we ask, do we seek after the father's presence? But majority of us, when we rise, is by what he can do for us today. See where we get the disconnected, the disconnection. All I need to know is that our Father in heaven, my Father, my Lord, if I can just know that He has acknowledged me as a son, me who was once of a distance from Him, full of sin, walked in the pride of sin, He can leave His throne and come for me. Leave his throne and come for me. Send his only son for me. Then I have to see the value when I go before God in prayer. That I'm not just praying to any other God, but the Holy One. The Gospel of Matthew 17 verses 5, the word of the Lord says that while he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed him. And suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. Meaning that everything that Jesus Christ was to speak has been already affirmed by the Father in heaven. So he said, I do not speak on my own authority. But whatever I hear him say is what I say. Can you follow me? Hallelujah. So God the Father recognized us, but the question we need to ask ourselves when it comes to prayer is that do we recognize the Father when we approach him in prayer? How do we recognize the Father when we approach him in prayer? Our Father. The end of the matter is this, which every form of prayer you are engaging in, it aids in the place of intimacy with God. Now, I want to say this here. 
This is what I want us to really focus on the next couple of minutes before I end. If I do not pursue an intimate fellowship with God, those who are taking notes, hear this. If I fail to pursue an intimate fellowship with God, then I lack in recognizing who he is. True statement. If I don't have any relationship with my wife, how do I know who my wife is? If I don't spend time with my wife, how do I develop understanding of who my wife is? If I don't see that it is necessary to spend time with my father, then how do I know my father? If I don't see the need of working with my father, then how do I know what the father wants from me? So I read this again. If I don't pursue, meaning that I make a conscious effort to the intimacy of the fellowship with God, then I lack in recognize who he is. And if I don't recognize who he is, then my approach and my ability to obtain the blessings in my prayer becomes limited. Amen? Amen. Go to the gospel, I mean the, the, the word of God, 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1 verses 5 to 7. And I read. And I want you to look at these key things that I want to speak, say briefly. What prayer does when it comes to intimacy with God. When you see that there is some disconnect with you and your Christian life, your faith, one of the first things you should ask is, where's my prayer life? Do I have a prayer life? First John chapter 1, verses 5, the word of the Lord says that this is the message which we have heard from him and declared to you that God is light. And in him is no what? In him there's no what? So that simply tells us, if God is light, and in him there is no darkness, that if I, am in, if I rise in the morning, and darkness surrounds me, if darkness is surrounded me, I am not discouraged. Because the one that was in me is light. You didn't get me here. It says that darkness could not comprehend. Because he is the light of this world. The God that we serve that dwells in us is light. So when everything may be going chaos, the reason why I am not discouraged is because the one that dwells in me is the light of the world. Amen. So every moment of my life, my prayer is that I keep walking with him. Because the more I walk with him, the more the light is with me. Amen. So in the midst of my darkness, in the midst of my challenges, in the midst of my place of struggles, as long as I can continue to hold on to him and walk with him, the light of the Lord will continue to be the radiant of my path. And the word of the Lord is true. He says that darkness could not comprehend. If the light is in you, 
They let everything at your workplace go chaotic. But when the light comes, when you show up, you realize that there's a difference. Why is there a difference? Because you are light. Light is in you. Jesus Christ is in you. And that is our hope today. But it all depends on our pursuit of what? Intimacy. When we go before God in prayer. And I continue in verse 6. It says that if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleans us from all sins. If we have fellowship. So when I go in my time of prayer, I am no longer walking in a place of condemnation. You didn't get it. See, sometimes we will mess up. We will, we will fall short. But the word of the Lord is true that the righteous shall fall, but will still get back up again. Why? Because the light in the righteous says that don't remain condemned. Because Jesus Christ has come to die for you. So I am no longer sitting in the place of condemnation. Because the light of Jesus Christ still keeps telling me, keep coming to me. The light keeps drawing me closer to him. That I will keep drawing away from darkness. So sin no longer has authority over me. Sin no longer has a place in me. Because the light of Jesus is the radiant of who I am today. If Jesus is not with me, then where will I have been today? Let me continue. The second point is that when we don't pursue intimacy with God, we become nearsighted in faith. What does that mean? 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. And hear this. It says that, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called the children of God. Think about it for a second. The manner of love the Lord has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the children of God. It goes back to what I said earlier in the Gospel of Luke chapter 11, that the first two words that Jesus Christ revealed to us, our Father, itself makes us understand the value in our place of prayer. Because when we go to prayer, we need to understand that the Lord has bestowed upon us to be called children of God. Not by our own ability, not by our own strength, but he has made us the children of God. And hear this. This is what happens when you know that you are a child of God. Tell your neighbor, I am a child of God. It continues to say that therefore the world does not know us, but it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of what? We are children of what? Oh, say it with me, church. We are children of what? And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. Huh? But we know that we that when he is revealed, we shall be like who? We shall be like who? Him. For we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself 
just as he is pure. Hallelujah. If you have this understanding that you are a child of God, then daily after day, your life is to be purified by the blood of Jesus Christ. That every day you are approaching the you are to understand who Jesus is in your life. You are living a life that reflects Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. This should be what we should imitate after. The body of Christ needs to, the reason why sometimes when you are going through challenges, the very difficult place for you to enter into is prayer is because God, because the devil knows that in your time of prayer, in your place of prayer, that's where your strength is. When you're going through challenging time, you say sometimes it's so difficult to pray. But I want to tell you a good news. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor there is a good news. There is a good news. This is what I want to tell you about the good news. First Thessalonians chapter 5. Are we there? Verses 16 and 17. As I'm bringing it to a close. I love this because... It is just two words for chapter, verses 16 and three words, verses 17. Simple for you to remember. Don't you love Jesus? Hallelujah. He's giving you all secret to make it so simple. So that you don't forget. This is what the word of the Lord says. Rejoice evermore. Some other says rejoice always. Correct? Oh, come on, work with me. Correct? Yeah, 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 yeah. Verse 17 says what? I didn't hear you, church. I didn't hear that very well. Rejoice always. Pray without season. Means that when it comes to the provision of rejoicing and the provision of prayer, there is no end to it as a child of God. Because consistently, rejoice or joy comes into your life. Why? Because you are always also engaged in prayer. You didn't get it. He's telling you the truth that rejoice always. That is the blessing there. But to get to that very place, he says what? Pray without what? Season. Means that you should not ever look around and say, where is my joy coming? Because joy is a provision for the child of God day after day. You get it? But it also depends on you also what? Praying without what? Season. Means that when I am looking around and I'm in my place of affliction, I still know about rejoicing in the Lord because as I remain in prayer, God gives me the enablement. To still rejoice in my affliction. Amen. You didn't get to me here. Let me preach to this side of the church. Because the thing is this. Whilst I am in prayer, God meets me with the joy of the Lord. He clothes me with the joy of the Lord. Because whilst you remain in prayer, he will build that intimacy with God. True that? So as you build intimacy with God, God does not become something foreign to you. 
You don't need to see the answer before you rejoice. But in your time of prayer, God strengthens you and says, I am with you. And that itself is good enough. Hallelujah. I want to say some key things here. As I'm bringing this to an end. I've been saying that, huh? But that's okay. Tell your neighbor, that's okay. Yeah, 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 that's okay. Because the thing is this, sometimes we walk into prayer and we say we are not receiving the answer. But the one who has intimacy with God, no answer is the answer. You may say, this pastor, what are you talking about? Uh, you may not understand what I'm saying, but this is what the Lord is saying here. No answer is what? Oh, can I get a church here that can say with me? No answer is what? No answer is what? Why is no answer an answer? What you think that when other people say, I have not received my answer from God yet, to you as a child of God that has intimacy with God, is still an answer. Why? Because the word of the Lord says, God said that I will share my glory with no other. So it means that no matter what the answer is, God is not going to let anything else take away his glory. So even when I am not seeing the answer I need today, when I'm not seeing my son changing today, it is still an answer to me. Because as long as I can keep going to God, the father, this son of mine, this daughter of mine, I want you to be able to take this child into your care. I want you to take away this affliction, this pain I may be going through. And you say, Pastor, last year I was going through that pain. And this year I'm still going through that pain. But no answer is still an answer. Because God will not share his glory with no other. Because the answer comes from him. Am I saying something here? I'm trying to end. I'm really trying. But I want to make sure that the next two minutes, I, 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 I hit on this because it is necessary for us to understand that we need to build up in our place of prayer. It is necessary. Tell your neighbor it is necessary. Rejoice always. And pray without season. Today, what I wish I could have preached on, which I will do that next week, is that when Jesus Christ said, Our Father, and we are talking about the place of intimacy in prayer, we need to recognize who this Father is. You see, the problem is that sometimes because we don't recognize who this Father is, we let so many people mislead us. Then you start to go to seek for somebody to pray for you. You are, you know, for some of us that come from different parts of the world, we start to seek for a prophet to be the one to prophesy to us. Because your pastor has not prophesied, he doesn't have the answer. Oh, can I say that to the truth of the body? Because somebody has not come to say, this is what I've seen about your life. You have allowed things to paralyze you to move forward by faith. Because you're not seeing the answer today, you have allowed your situation to paralyze you from moving forward and seeing the glory of God. 
But what the next few weeks we are going to be dealing with is a couple of things. One, recognizing God in his holiness. Two, recognizing God in his glory. And recognizing God in his love. And lastly, recognizing God in his sovereignty. Why are these so important? Because if I don't see this father as a father who is holy, if I cannot recognize him as a holy father, then when I go before him and sometimes I'm not seeing what I want to see, I start to allow doubt to go and sink in me. But if I know that he is a holy God, which is the very nature of God, then I know my Redeemer lives. Because out, very much, out of His holiness comes out the joy I need. The answer you need today, my brothers and sisters, keep in mind that what the Lord gives to you today, everything He gives to you, it's holy. The reason why you cannot live your life anywhere, anyhow, is because if you go to God and he gives you the answer, remember the answer is holy. Everything about God is what? Holy. So that you don't live your life anywhere, anyhow. You don't live your life just because things are good today. And things are not good today, so you live different. But if you go before this God, know that he's a holy God then you know that your joy comes out of his holiness. Your strength comes out of his holiness. Your peace comes out of his holiness. He is a holy God. Isaiah chapter 6, the Bible says the prophet Isaiah saw the magnitude of God's holiness. And he who was a prophet could not even, 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 even look at the power of his holiness. Because he is filled of his holiness. In his holiness is all that he is. So if I can recognize him as a holy God, then in my pain, the reason why I'm victorious in prayer, the reason why I enjoy going in prayer, is because if I can recognize that I'm going to a God that is holy, hear this. The Bible calls him, and then in the book of Isaiah, it says that the angel says, Holy, in, in the beginning of his prayer, they say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth, the whole earth is filled with his glory. Means that in his holiness, if that is the God I'm going to, then he encamp over all things. So even in my pain, the reason why I want to go on my knees is because in my pain, my pain will take me on my knees because he's a holy God and I cannot stand to even look at the fullness of him because he's a holy God. The reason why I can go on my knees in time of my affliction because he's a holy God and this holy God is full with his glory. And if God is full of his glory, then I am rest assured that his glory overshadows my pain. I am not discouraged. 
Church, you cannot be discouraged in his holiness. You cannot be downcasted in his holiness. Because in his holiness, it's full of his glory. Your pain, your affliction, your challenges cannot overcome the glory of the Lord. The reason why prayer is unnecessary for the life of a believer. The Bible says that prayer without season, because as you keep praying, it says rejoice always. Pray without season. These two things, the word of the Lord is teaching us so that we don't lose sight of the one that we go to is the Holy God. Today, we need to come to this place of understanding. Recognize that your prayer is to a father that is holy. And I'll spend the time to deal with this next week. Recognize that he's a holy God. If God is holy, then what is so bigger than him? Please rise on your feet.